Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast for the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I am Tim Robertson, your host of this podcast, and also the coordinator of the training program within the organization. The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers is an international organization devoted to the study of the sun, the moon, the planets, asteroids, meteors, and comets. Our goals are to stimulate, coordinate, and generally promote the study of these bodies using methods and instruments that are available to the communities of both amateur and professional astronomers. The Association of Lunar Planetary Observers collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomena and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar Planetary Observers also lovingly known as the Strolling Astronomer. The Association of Lunar Planetary Observers maintains many individual observing sections and programs devoted to the studies of the solar system bodies and phenomenon. Each is managed by one or more coordinators that collect and study submitted observations. You can visit us on the internet at www.alpo-astronomy.com Org. That again, www.alpo-astronomy.org. Now, on to the Observer's Notebook. Alright, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Observer's Notebook. Our guest today is Julius Benton. He's the coordinator of the ALPO Saturn section. Welcome to the podcast, Julius. Yes, good to be here. Yeah, uh, Julius has been on with us before. We discussed Venus. Um, why don't you give us a little background on yourself? All right. Uh, I uh, began my interest in astronomy back uh, quite a few years ago. Um, when I was a youngster, about 10 or 11 years old, uh, my dad gave me a Unitron 4-inch refractor, and I'd been reading books about astronomy. My aunt gave me books about astronomy at an earlier age, and it always fascinated me, and so... I started out observing with the four-inch refractor and uh, did a lot of deep sky, looking around the sky, getting familiar with Messier objects, but soon kind of tired of that. I did it for several years, and uh, observing the moon and the planet started to become more and more uh, intriguing uh, because a lot of the changes that you can see uh, from night to night and from year to year with the planets and the moon um, just is fascinating. Uh, and so. I got involved in the uh, ALPO in 1967. I became a member when I met Walter Haas. And um, then about 1971, I became coordinator of the Venus and Saturn sections and continued doing that for the, I guess it's been a little over, four, well, almost 46 years now that I've been involved. Man, time goes by fast. You took on both at the same time? Yes. That's daring. <laughs> yeah, well, it just, by fortuitous circumstances, it came about within about four or five months between the two uh, okay. I actually started out with Saturn first and then Venus but it was only like six months apart okay and you're the only uh, coordinator for for both yes okay all right um, and let's see give us a little overview on the Saturn section are there different types of observations that are made in the group that type of thing yes 
to start out, most observers uh, began observing Saturn with uh, visually, and of course uh, that has grown over time. Um, we've had myriad observations uh, where people have actually made drawings of Saturn, and uh, in uh, the last, uh, oh, I'd say 15 years, uh, even even more recent than that, more and more people have gotten into CCD imaging. Uh, photography was something that occurred for a while back, uh, you know, 20 years ago, but uh, now CCD has really come into the fold. But now with Saturn, it's a combination of both now, and uh, we value both types of observation. Um, we typically uh, require observers to uh, become familiar with our observing programs, and of course that's something that is easy to do, just get in contact with us, and we'll guide people through the training program and so forth, and um, that can lead into some really useful work. What type of uh, equipment is suggested for contributing to the Saturn section? Well, minimum aperture, we usually recommend about a 4-inch refractor or a 6-inch Newtonian or catadioptric, but for routine observations of Saturn, to really get into serious work, a 6-inch refractor or an 8-inch uh, catadioptric or Newtonian um, basically is uh, the, the best place to go. I mean, you're going to need some aperture to really see the fine detail. What about color filters? Yes, color filters of all sor- sorts are valuable. Um, basically, color filters of known wavelength, and then, of course, a variable density polarizer really helps uh, get rid of some of the radiation, uh, the glare in some of the images. Saturn's not that bright that variable density polarizer is absolutely required, but it does help out, help bring out contrast, which the filters also help. Now, how many current uh, contributors do you have to the section? Uh, the total contributors are about 80, and, um, and they're globally located. Uh, I would say about two-thirds are outside of the United States, and oh. the other third in the USA, but it's a good mix of observers everywhere. Uh, I don't know of a foreign country yet that uh, we haven't had an observer from, and it just, it, it just varies from year to year, but consistently uh, that seems to be the mix, about a third in the USA, two-thirds outside. And the 80 has pretty much stayed the same for a while? or what peaks? Well, like The greatest, how many observers do you think you had in the section? Uh, what, you mean the total number? Yeah. Yeah, it's about 80. Okay. It, it, it can get as high as 100, but uh, then some years it fell back when Saturn was not well-placed okay. to about 60. But uh, we've got some very good observers and those that have stuck with the program for quite a few years. And that's both visual and photographic? Yes, okay. yes, definitely. Uh, visual observers, I wanted to think, and I, I go in a little bit about the types of visual observations, but uh, one of the things we've tried to do is encourage those, uh, regardless of aperture, to begin familiarizing themselves with Saturn. And, you know, the, the belts and zones on Saturn aren't as prominent uh, at first glance as they are on Jupiter uh, because uh, it's just that's the way Saturn is. You've got that uh, overlying ammonia haze that kind of makes the uh, belts and zones a bit subdued. But using color filters and larger apertures and good seeing, you can see quite a bit of detail on Saturn if you're just consistent training the eye to see faint detail and uh, eking out those uh, fine uh, areas of Saturn that come out during the best seeing condition. Hmm. Now, I I believe there have been some significant discoveries or observations made through the ALPO Saturn section over the years, haven't there? Yes. Uh, 
the uh, Saturn section. For, for a long time, uh, long-term systematic visual observations have shown that distinct belts and zones are not just occasionally seen on Saturn. That's one thing that visual observers uh, made very clear that, you know, back in back years ago, uh, people said, well, Saturn's kind of bland. It's kind of a quiescent replica of Jupiter. Uh, the only thing that makes it really special are the rings. Well, that's not true. Uh, visual observers have brought that out uh, very clearly that you can see belts and zones and other detail on Saturn as well as in the rings uh, by uh, persistence and continue, uh, continuing to observe. But discrete phenomena are more obviously obviously are more obvious with color filters. Um, the divisions in the rings, like Cassini's and X division, uh, are not the only gaps in Saturn's rings. Uh, amateurs have uh, seen intensity minima or very minor divisions in the rings prior to the Voyager mission. And um, the ring C, which is the inner ring uh, of Saturn's uh, major ring components, um, has uh, been reported in front of the globe in small to moderate apertures. A lot of people thought you couldn't see it with small apertures, but that is true, you can. Uh, long-term, long-term observations of recurring dark features and bright spots on Saturn have shown a major pattern for atmospheric outbursts on Saturn. Uh, which is one of the things that uh, has been something that came to for before Voyager. And then uh, Saturn's year, of course, is 29.5 Earth years. So uh, intensity data, those observers that are doing numerical relative intensity estimates, brightness estimates of the ring uh, of, of the uh, belts and zones using color filters and an integrated light, that's just without filters, um, have been able to keep a record of changes in the brightness of the zones and belts, and it does reveal a seasonal effect on the planet that's been confirmed uh, spectroscopically. Interesting. Any any uh, observations through the, the uh, Saturn section of, like, occultations and things like that? Well, occultations of stars, yes, uh, through the rings, yes, yes. definitely. Uh, the uh, observations of the satellites passing behind the rings, and uh, that's pretty interesting because that helped identify some of the divisions in the rings. Uh, back before Voyager occurred. So is there uh, amateur professional cooperation in yeah. uh, Saturn observations? Well, you know, the most recent uh, cooperation has been with Cassini. Um, Cassini started back about 2004 when the Cassini spacecraft first uh, started observing Saturn. And uh, it just turned out that uh, the Cassini team requested observations because they had seen examples of the images that our observers had taken and uh, requested that uh, we send their observations to the Cassini team. So the Pro-Am effort began about April of 2004, and uh, ever since that time, uh, we've submitted observations. And what's interesting is is that some of the images that we've made of, uh, of, of uh, Saturn showing some individual features on the uh, in the atmosphere of Saturn, uh, we were sent to the Cassini mission, and they used that information to uh, alert their, their team to image Saturn of where suspected interesting large-scale targets exist. So you actually had a hand in where to point the camera of Cassini, huh? Yes. That's, yes. that's uh, pretty impressive. Well, they came to us. That's what was so interesting. They had seen our observations. They had seen our publications in our journal. And uh, uh, Carolyn Porco, who was one of the leads in the Cassini program, came to me and said, Do you, how many observers have you got? And how much uh, 
do you think they could participate in our programs? She said, it's quite simple. You've been doing some wonderful work, uh, your whole team has, with imaging, and we can use those images to uh, supplement what we're doing. Not only that, but the Hubble Space Telescope also uh, uh, had produced some uh, data that uh, compared well with our ground-based observation. The imaging people do, um, uh, obviously those that have seen our journal, uh, have, it's remarkable what digital imaging has done with Saturn. That's very true, that's very true. And the software available now too, the stacking and everything like that that they can do, to get even more detail out. Where do you publish uh, your observations? Publisher, uh, published uh, observations go into our journal, the ALPO. Um, it's both, uh, it's, it's a printed journal as well as one that's digital. It also appears on the ALPO website. Uh, we keep the most recent alerts and observations uh, on the website uh, because the journal doesn't come out, you know, every day. So we use the website to uh, notify uh, the uh, astronomical community of the latest information, white spots and so on and so forth on Saturn, disturbances. And uh, the journal comes out, of course, you know, periodically with apparition reports of all our results. But the, the quick way to get to our information is on the journal, on, on the in the uh, website. Okay, and I'll have a link yeah. for the website on the uh, show notes as well. Yes. Great. And what do you see for the future of the Saturn section? Well, we're going to continue to do the uh, our research. Now, the, the interesting thing is, is Cassini uh, is wrapping up mm -hmm. and uh, actually in the... Uh, Back, uh, back. Well, it'll be this year, uh, in 2017. And um, once that's done, Cassini will be over with as far as uh, the actual uh, live program. However, uh, most of the images that were taken by Cassini are still going to be are archived already by the Cassini mission, and our observers do continue to send their observations in that were made during that period. Uh, in addition to that, we still are collecting data and, and observations, um, images uh, in our own archive to uh, have them ready for uh, anyone doing research on Saturn in the future. Uh, programs coming down the road, we don't know what all those are going to be, but obviously uh, uh, Cassini was quite an ambitious mission for over, you know, over a decade, and uh, a lot of that stuff... A lot of our observations are going to continue to be used for uh, comparison purposes. That's fantastic. Do you have any other uh, initial in information you'd like to share about the Saturn section? Well, the uh, observing programs, like I said, on the website, uh, our forms are there. Saturn's a tough one to draw, so we have forms that are already produced on the website that are downloadable, and observers can use that to, to draw Saturn and to make intensity estimates and so forth. And they show the different ones to show the different angles of the uh, of the rings as well, too, right? Right. From zero degrees, which is edgewise presentation of the rings, up to uh, including 27 degrees, uh, both plus or minus. Plus meaning the northern face of the rings, the northern hemisphere of the globe is visible as it is now, or the, ne the negative side, uh, the, the minus uh, side of it, uh, or another... Uh, uh, 27 degrees uh, tilt, and that takes quite a while over the 29.5 year period. So uh, we have the forms available, and obviously uh, the Saturn Handbook uh, has been uh, it's evolved into my book, Saturn and How to Observe It. It's something that's available on Amazon.com, and um, it's still available. It's being revised right now uh, to come out with a, a, a new edition, It'll be the second edition uh, coming out in 2018, oh, which will incorporate some of the Cassini uh, results. Huh. Okay, that sounds very interesting. How could everyone get a hold of you, Jules? 
Well, uh, you can go to my, uh, you can go to the ALPO website. Uh, that's the first place to go to. It's the uh, www.alpo-astronomy.org, or my email jlbaina at msn.com, and I'll be glad to respond to observers and help them any way get started. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast, Julius. Well, that'll do it for this episode of The Observer's Notebook. I really want to thank our guest, uh, Julius Benton, for coming on to discuss the Saturn section of the ALPO. As a reminder, we upload new episodes of the podcast every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, and if you do, please rate and review us. I do appreciate it. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud. The link is in the show notes, along with all the other links that we discussed during the podcast. You can help support this podcast by donating to it via Patreon. The link for that is in the show notes as well. You can contact me via email at timrobertson56 on Twitter or via email at cometman at cometman.net. Just a reminder, the ALPO is an international organization devoted to the study of the sun, the moon, the planets, asteroids, meteors, and comets. Our goals are to stimulate, coordinate, and generally promote the study of these bodies using methods and instruments that are available within the communities of both amateur and professional astronomers. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thank you for listening.